the final episode. Of 2020. Tristan's right. This is the final episode. Welcome to the Fantasy Focus Baseball on a beautiful Monday afternoon, September 28th, 2020. That was singing Tristan Cockroft, Slayer of Myriad Fantasy Leagues. Kyle Soppy is our underrated researcher and producer, and I'm Eric Carabell. Just happy to be here and listen to the sweet songs that Tristan sings on this show before anybody else. Basically, Kyle and I get to hear this first, and uh, we love it, and we hope that you listening to our show. Uh, love it too, and and right, Tristan, Tristan, you're doing a fine job. So this was your best year yet singing. You were a top ten player rater option when it came to singing this season. <laughs> I was at Alberto Mondesi from September fourth forward, as opposed to through September third. Can you right? believe that guy? Can you I, believe? I think it was before that. <laughs> the day, the day that I wrote that blog entry yep. saying this guy can't play, and for the next two weeks he was was he the best player in fantasy? He might have been the you best to, player. You want the insanity numbers? Because I dug him up before yeah, the show. Ahead. On September 3rd, Adalberto Mondesi, through 37 games played, was slashing 179, 209, 231, hadn't homered, had three ribbies, eight steals, 11 runs, and was not even in the top 500 players on the player Raider. And from September 4th on, he was not only the number one player overall in fantasy, it was by roughly 25% over the number two player slash two, uh, excuse me, 376, 424, 706 in 22 games. He homered six times, 19 ribbies, 16 steals. That's nine more than anyone, or no, seven more than anyone else had. And 22. So what are we? Uh, Unbelievable. So, and he ended up the number 12 option on the player Raider, which means that I have to include him in my top 75 now. Like, what do we do with this guy? I, I honestly, when I wrote that blog entry, I felt pretty good that this was an an undisciplined hitter with no power, couldn't stay healthy, and then he goes and he's the best player in fantasy in the final three weeks. I, I where are you going to rank? I don't know if is it. Look, there's a lot of polarizing players in fantasy. In the first two rounds, it'll be Trout and Yelich, um, but after that, man, I, I don't know if there's anybody more polarizing than Mondesi. I don't know where to put him. Where are you putting him? If I was guessing today in the ranks I will have hopefully shortly, 85 to 95. I, I, I And I don't feel good about that. I got to be honest with you. I don't feel good about that because I don't know that I want a player who is that much of a a drain on your fantasy numbers. I mean, did you know this guy? Drain. Was he was the number one player the last three weeks. I don't know if he's a drain at all. In the f- That's the thing. I would argue he took you down. I would argue he took you in down. A r- if you play – in, in a traditional roto, maybe, but you didn't have him in for that week. No one had, uh, except in the AL only leagues. I don't think anyone had him in for that week. And if you're in a head-to-head, it was. I over. think in a mixed league, you did have him in because of the stolen bases. He was still leading the majors and steals on September third. He was a negative two earner and player rater numbers in all of the other four categories. I, that is a massive. I dream. agree with you. I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with him, but I feel like I'm going to rank him better than you now because what we've seen, what he can do. If you remove the name from some of these players and what you know about them, mm-hmm. like if we just if we just discuss Yelich and Trout based on this season, if we just discuss you know Shane Bieber based on this season, he'd be you know I mean like a lot of these players would be different. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Mondesi, there's nobody more polarizing. That's how we start today's show as we wrap it I up. Don't, I don't think there's a name thing on that with him, though. By the way, you got to talk for the non-Roto th- people? Not good in anything else. He's like, not, not a good points not good. option because nobody that's the- – 160. Yeah. yeah. 
Because the stolen bases don't matter as much in a, in a points league. The walks matter. The lack of walks matter more. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, if I ask you, is there any player next season capable of stealing fifty bases? Is he? Is it he the only one? He and Trey Turner, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, and mm-hmm. if we think, if we and and you know what, I'll... if we think Modesty can hit fifteen home runs with those fifty steals, then then round six or seven is way too late. He's. This is the thing. If I could promise that he'll stay healthy and give you the 162 game schedule, he's 15 homers, 50 steals, and pretty much nothing else. But that's worth a lot. All right. What should we discuss on today's show? Obviously, let's look at the player raider. Um, I have rankings uh, in part. I did a top 25 last week overall. Some of you won leagues. I didn't. But, well, some of you won leagues, and uh, you're giving us credit. But you, sh- you shouldn't. You did the you, you guys did the work. Um, I did win a league, Tristan. I won our hot new league, so that, I was happy about that. Um, but we'll get yep. to the other stuff, the expert leagues, a little bit later on. So the final player right here, Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez, a pair of Cleveland players, are the top two options. Although I'm looking at it now, and Jose Ramirez finished fourth. So something must have changed. Yeah. Bieber won. Trey Turner two. Tatis three. Jose Ramirez for change. Did you, didn't you watch the last day? Trey Turner six RBI. <laughs> so he moved all the way up. Yeah. Mookie bets five. Oh, I've got bets number one for next season, which I don't think is, I, I think that's fair. It's not indefensible, but I mean, others mm-hmm. might have somebody else. Certainly you could have trout. You could have Yelich. You could have, you know, Tatis. You could have mm-hmm. the top pitchers if you want. Um, honestly, unbelievably finished 12th. What is your biggest surprise here? I guess in the top 10. Because all these players were drafted in the first, well, I guess, 100 picks. Yeah, I think all these players were top 100 picks. Some of them were obviously top first round or so. Abreu wasn't. Darvish wasn't. But they were still like top 100 picks. Of the top 10, I think I'd say that you, Darvish, surprises me the most. Um, you might expect me to go with Tatis because I didn't rank him this way. But health does play a major part of that one. Shane Bieber, you and I both liked him. We've supported why we thought he could repeat. I thought he he would statistically regress a little bit, but he made even more improvements. Darvish, I think, is the only one that throws me off because he doesn't give the volume. And, and you and I, we had to talk about just the fact that we perceive that he's not even the age that he is at this point. If he's not a 200-inning guy, generally speaking, coming into the year, it, it's tough to see him getting in the top 10. But that's how truly good he was. I mean, he made a consistent Cy Young case all of 2020. The second 10 has some interesting names as well. More starting pitchers, Bauer, um, Maeda, Garrett Cole. Maeda beat out Garrett Cole. How about that? A couple closers show yep. up. Liam Hendricks, Brad Hand, Luke Voigt made it. Um, and then there's Marcelo Zuni. He's the number 13 option on the player rater, one spot ahead of Juan Soto. Now. Soto had a monster year. Power, more, sto- more sto- stolen bases than we expected, and he won a batting title, and Ozuna still beat him. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to rank that next I – mean, we're going to rank Soto in our top five. Azuna's going to be like round four or five. Is that fair, or should we expect Azuna to do this every year now? I think we should give Azuna more positive – uh, assessments than we do. And that's, I'm talking about the fantasy community as a whole, players, writers, everything. Um, he, he seems to get an unfair shake. He had some injuries that kind of clouded his outlook, uh, especially the first year in St. Louis. I do think that he is a, a, a bona fide top 20 fantasy after that, without question. The reason I would take Soto first is just the stuff that he is doing at such a young age. And, and I probably have that sabermetric bias that comes into play here where I'm not applying traditional roto to my thinking. I'm applying the sabermetric thinking to it. 
I actually think there's an easy case to make for Juan Soto being the number one pick universally next year. Which uh, I'm starting to think I thought about, to be honest with you. And I ended up, Mm -hmm. so my rankings were published Friday. I want to give them all away because we want people to read it. But I already said I had best number one. I have Soto number four ahead of Trout, who I don't have in my top five. Do you agree with that? Or Or do you say there's a case to be made for it? I actually would agree with that. Um, and, and I know it's a huge swing in opinion from a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it, but the more I look at this, I think it is a top four tier of, in some order, Acuna, Soto, Tatis, and, and Betts. Uh, I, I feel like Trout doesn't quite get there, and it's my gut telling me that I suspect you were right about the stolen bases, and that that is going to matter more for me even in the stats and the projections than I think it's going to. And that Trout really belongs in that next tier of three. And you and I talked a little bit about this when you were putting this together, is that I like that you went with this angle of a tier of four and then a tier of three. It feels right now like that's the way 2021 is going to start. It's quite a change in your mind. Like, did something happen in the last two weeks? Or did I just – I couldn't have convinced you. I don't convince you of anything. So what what happened – you're just now convinced Trout's not going to steal bases, but we don't have a guarantee that Soto will steal bases either. And he, he just happened to steal, I think, six this year, but that could be three. I just when I when I compared Soto to Trout, not only is it eight years younger, I see the same power, I see a higher batting average, and a few more steals. That's why I went with Soto over Trout. But it seems like a big a big adjustment for you recently. So a lot of it has to come down to. Uh there are warts on every one of these players except potentially for one. And that is Soto. I would argue he's the one where I would not overly criticize him other than he's not a big base stealer. Um, But there are little things to chip away at for each of these players. And in Trout's case, it is starting to bother me that he's on a team that's not as competitive as it could be that he has missed a little bit of time. As I guess you've, you've chipped away at my thinking here that, he, he doesn't steal bases quite as much as I would like. He doesn't play quite as many bases as, as I would like. I question whether the Angels are going to be all that much more competitive next year and whether that's going to turn the lineup over a lot and give him runs in RBI to the level that I would like him to. It would, I can make you the trout at number one case, but I don't think that's a slam dunk anymore. I think there are, there are as many as seven players who could warrant that pick, but I don't think he's one of the better ones. Where do starting pitchers end up, do you think, in your rankings? Will you have... DeGrom, Cole, or Bieber in round one um, in a standard ESPN league, which is 10 teams. Now, we're, we're talking Roto here. Points league is different. In a points league, I have all three starting pitchers in my top 10. I, I might have Trout. I don't think I'd have Trout number one in a points league. I think I'd still have to go with Soto. He's an extreme walker. Soto might be my number one pick in a points league. I uh, may be close with him and Betts. It certainly would not be Acuna. And it would not be Tatis. So that's interesting in a points league. And we should discuss points league since it's ESPN standard as well. But uh, I'll give you the top 10 for that if you'd like. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the top 10 points options. I mean, Freddie Freeman was by far the number one hitter in points leagues this season. And I would argue there's no reason to think that that's going to change. I mean, he's going to change. Probably not batting. What are you like 340? Probably won't do that again. But like why you can take Freddie Freeman over Trout next season in a points league or a Roto League. And it's okay. It really is. But the, the catch here where if you tr- if you try to make the Trout case at one, I mean, Trout was 21st in, in fantasy points, 187 
We're talking that's uh, four, that's 64 points off of Freddie Freeman's pace. Looking at the other guys who are at the top level, you're looking at about 30 points off that. And it's that year over year, we are still seeing the elite starting pitchers dominate the top 10 in fantasy points. We had Shane Bieber, Hugh Darvish, Trevor Bauer. Denelson Lamette was the number four pitcher in terms of fantasy points, Jacob deGrom and Garrett Cole, which supports to me the idea that Cole and deGrom still should be top five picks without question in a points league. I could still easily make the case for, you know, depending on your personal preference, for me, it's still Cole, that you take one of those guys with the number one pick before you would take a hitter. And Bryce Harper edged out Trout in points leagues. How about that? Yep. Um, that doesn't shock me. That. You're surprised no, I mean, Harper Harper was a walker, and he stole bases mm-hmm. without being caught. He scored mm-hmm. runs. He stayed relatively healthy. You know, I mean, Trout, if Trout plays the final two days of the season, maybe he passes. I don't want to read too much into it. Mm-hmm. I just think that, that we, right. you know, Bryce Harper's a little underrated, frankly, as a fantasy option, and I did have him in my top 20. Let's move on. Um, what else do we – so I talked about my top 20 starting pitchers and my top 20 mm-hmm. closers. And I think we did that on the last show, so we probably don't need to do that, you, do that again. But Yeah, but you asked, a, you asked a good question there I want to circle you back to. Okay. Uh, the starting pitching strategy in a traditional Roto League. Roto League. I mean, I think that I grouped DeGrom, Cole, Bieber in the same spot. And I ended up putting them in 11, 12, 13. Well, not to give it all away. But that's mm-hmm. just because personal preference. If I'm in a draft, I basically decided, and you know what? I'm not even positive of this, but I decided that's my break point where I say, okay. And it's probably before – I probably would take them before Yelich, by the way, too. I, I just don't know what to do with Yelich. I, I, you know, he, he just regressed in so many ways in 2020, the ground ball rate, the fly balls. hitting. He still hit baseballs hard, but this was a terrible season for Yelich, and still they made yeah. the playoffs without ever having a day where they were over 500. Nice job, Phillies. But I, I think if push came to shove, I might take one of those starting pitchers over Yelich and a Roto. I definitely wouldn't have points. But, I mean, I think it's more going to be really important next season, Tristan, to make sure you get at least probably two of the top 16 starting pitchers. I think that's where the tier ends. And I think that's the key takeaway here. Uh, so the final tally for this year was 40, 40 ERA qualifiers. That is an all-time record low. 40 ERA qualifiers. Uh, The leader in innings was Lance Lynn at 84. If you project Lance Lynn's innings over a 162-game schedule, he's at 226 and two-thirds. But if you look at the guys behind him, there aren't all that many that would have easily gotten beyond the 200 threshold. uh, The volume pitchers are declining. And you still have Bieber up there. I mean, remarkably, Darvish, who I talked about a couple of minutes ago, was among the leaders. Garrett Cole remained in the top 10. Trying to find where DeGrom is. DeGrom was 21st in innings. Uh, I, I think that the ace caliber players make a very compelling argument for being taken in the first round, but I'm probably with you. I probably am, am resisting it in a 10-teamer if I possibly can. I think that the deeper the league, the more likely I'm going to inch them up a spot or two. And Lance Lynn, by the way, did some irreparable harm to fantasy rosters in his final outing of the season where his manager said, here, throw 100 pitches no matter how many runs you allow. My goodness, I – I had such a terrible fantasy baseball weekend across my leagues. It wasn't just Lynn. It was Aaron Savali in the league. In labor, it was Seth Lugo and Kyle uh, Freeland in the first two innings. I I had them both. I lost I don't know how many. I didn't even look again. I mean, congrats Mm -hmm. to who won the league. But the point is, like, I just had a terrible weekend. Although we we should look ahead now. Um, 
All right, so we talked about when we would take our first starting pitcher. When I did the closer rankings, I noted I couldn't even find five closers I really, truly trust for next year. I've never seen it this bad. Now, you know, maybe by February 1st, I'll feel better about the closers. But are you going to address closers uh, differently in 2021? Are you going to take, you know, a couple of these guys earlier than you would because you can trust Liam Hendricks or Josh Hader or the Yankee closer? Or are you you like me? You're going to take them in round 14. I actually think I lean quite a bit more towards you as far as today stands for 2021 strategy. I actually do think that this year supported chasing saves a little bit on the waiver wire uh, using, I mean, it didn't work out in a couple of cases. The first one, I think it was James Karinchek. It, you, you, know, you could use the sabermetric indicators to take guys who could move into closers jobs. And I think you could build a bullpen that way. And I think it's going to be the wiser way for, for 2021. Right. I mean, Devin Williams in Milwaukee, Karinchak of Cleveland, Maybe Jordan Romano, Toronto. These are the guys that I kind of exalt above the rest. Drew Pomerantz. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm probably likely to take these guys over, uh, like a not. I don't want to say a bad closer, but like Hector Neris range. Uh, not Presley. He probably is a top ten guy. I don't know. Like who is a definite closer right now? But you think, oh, like like Kinsler probably somebody like that or Melanson if he comes back to Atlanta. I mean, these guys, I don't, I don't think Melanson's necessarily bad. You see though. a strikeout rate, more saves than strikeouts. That's a bad closer. It's a bad fantasy closer. Taylor Rodgers think- would be the best example here. Say the Twins say, all right, Rodgers, you're my closer. Mm-hmm. You're getting 30 saves. I might take Devin Williams and Karinczak over him, but because I may not believe that Taylor Rodgers really is the closer. Uh, yeah. I think, I think you know what, the, your, the takeaway here is you mentioned Neris. If those are the closers available in round 12 – even then, I don't feel excited to take them. Do you? No. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more lukewarm even on that tier of closers today than I was seasons past. I mean, what a nightmare season this was for closers, right? I mean, how many – Alex Coleman ended up the number three closer. Trevor Rosenthal ended up number four. Trevor Rosenthal, of all people. Do, do you think that the closer by committee we saw this year, and it was absolutely the you know the, the, the most widespread usage I've is that that the future? Uh, you know, is, is that the, the, yeah? Is that the future of the position, or do you think that this was just an unusual year where it springs a little bit back the other direction? I mean, I, I think Tampa Bay should try to do what they did next this year, next year. You know, so I mean, Nick Anderson, we're going to rank as a borderline top ten relief pitcher, but he might only get twenty twenty five saves. So. Now the question then becomes: If Tampa goes deep into the postseason here, using that strategy, are we going to get a lot of copycats? Because I, I think that could actually come into play. I guess it could. It depends on roster size next year to some degree, doesn't it? Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Was- and I, I mean, I think it'll be twenty six, but we don't know yet. All right. Yeah, you're right. We don't know. I, uh, I will not draft Kimbrel. Um, what else? <laughs> I don't. Hey, he was pretty good down the stretch, but I don't blame you. Watch him get saves in the playoffs, <laughs> and we should note. Well, we'll get to that later on. That there's you can play in the playoffs. Let's bring in. Kyle, now and do some trivia, and then we'll go to hash browns, and then I'm sure we'll have lots to do after that. Trivia, trivia that none of us will know. It's it's a little mean. This one's going to be tough to get. Since last season's All-Star break, there have been six players with 10 steals, 50 extra base hits that were batting at least 275. 10 steals, 50 extra base hits, 275 batting average. Five of them are going to be in the mix for a fantasy first-round option next season. Of course, I want you to name the one that is not. Scott Pesednik. 
Scotty Pods cannot be the answer to multiple trivia questions within one calendar year. It's a lot. It can't be Von Hayes because he didn't play last year. Um, <laughs> you brought us full circle, Eric. It, it, it I can't love it. be Mondesi because he didn't hit 275. I'm quite certain of that. <laughs> so. yeah. Also, I think he was on a majority of uh, his team to finish the year. I mean, I have a couple guesses here. I mean. Yeah, so do I. But we'll get to them a little bit later on. Let's do some hash browns now, Kyle. I'm sure there's lots of questions. And uh, thank you to everybody who sent them in all season long. What do you got? Yeah, no, we've got a great fan base, and we appreciate them sticking with us. Rishi, as a 10-team keeper league that uses OBP and quality starts, he wants you to rank these options for him. Hoskins, Baez, Lamette, and Carrasco. Well, I mean, I got to see Reese Hoskins play every day until the final two weeks when he couldn't play anymore and the Phillies blew the playoff spot. Not that I'm bitter or anything. Would have been fun watching them this week, even if they got swept by the Dodgers. But, alas, I can't. I can't take Hoskins over Lamette, even in an on-base percentage league. What Lamette did, Lamette's a top – you can make a case for Lamette as a top 10 starting pitcher right now. Yeah, you can. I, I don't think either of us is going to rank him there, but you can make the case. Well, where did I yeah. rank Lamette? I mean, it couldn't have been far from there. I mean, let me – Well, well, the, 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 the not even the ceiling, the relatively optimistic outlook is still going to place him in the top 10. Well, so my number 10 starting pitcher was Lance Lynn. But I take Lamette over Lance Lynn. I let Lamette 14. So, yeah, I, I can make the case easily for Lamette in the top 10. Um, I would take Lamette here first. If on-base percentage is the thing, man, I don't know how I could take Javi, how I could take – you really take Hoskins over Javier Baez, but I guess in an OVP league, don't you have to? I mean, you're looking at a guy who's three 360 on the low end and 380 on the high end versus one who is on the low end. He's – this year's 238, and on the high end, he was 326. I mean, that does have an impact. Now, granted, Javier Baez can steal bases more than he did this season. Well, he stole only 11 bases. Yeah, you make a good point here. He stole 11 bases in 2019. And if you take if yeah. you take batting average out, Hoskins is the better value here. We had the same power. Actually, and I think in, in an on-base percentage league or a points league, I think Hoskins and Carlos Santana are ahead of Javier Baez now. How about that? I think I'm with you that I think Lamette is the the class of these four. I I do think it's close between the other three. I, I I'll actually make the case for Carrasco. Carrasco also had a statistically excellent season. He's also, I know the injuries and absences and the like. Uh, he's very consistently good in the games that he gives you. He might well be three behind Hoskins here, and Baez is four. All right. All right, we've got a consistent listener of the fan show. He wants a rundown of how you guys did at Tout and Labor and what did and didn't work from a strategy perspective. Tristan, you talk about this. How did you do in those leagues? And is there anything that – I think what's important is not just in general what worked and didn't, but, like, what changed either that we think is going to be changeable next year. Like, the do you change a strategy that you're, you're going to keep using in future seasons? Um, and how did you do in those leagues? I, I hate to give the cop-out answer here. We drafted before the pause. Right. That's why I don't think anything's relevant to this season. It, it is. No, no. Look, and, and, and my, my, you know, the fact of the matter is this. I finished sixth in labor AL 
uh, Larry Schechter won Labor AL. Congratulations to Larry in that one. In Tal Wars, I finished ninth, and Fred Zinke won that one. Congratulations to Fred. We did draft before the pause. Um, they were not relevant players, but I did lose a couple of players for opt-outs. Uh, you know, there, there was an influence on transactions in July after we came back, and and I understand the reason for it. There was no way that we would have been able to get that group together to redraft those teams, but it it, it influences any takeaways I have. There's no strategy I can glean from a draft that happened before the knowledge we had. And in Labor's case, we had absolutely no idea what was coming was coming. We knew that that stuff was going to get tricky, but not to the level that it did. Well, I guess um, my question is, did you learn anything this season that you will take into next year's tout or labor or any other drafts that's actionable? Yes, there was one. Have to spend in fab on free agents. You cannot throw a $0 bid, which means when you run out, you are stuck. And I lost that league a couple of years ago because I ran out of funds. And I did also have some unfortunate injuries, injuries at the wrong time and ran out of funds. I will be making sure that does not happen again. Know your rules. So Derek Van Riper of the Athletic won my tat league. I was either second or third. I didn't look. Um, but he he won by a lot, a lot. And then in labor, unbelievable unbelievable finish here. Um, it was a three-way tie at a very low 82 entering the last day on Sunday. And then with three or four other teams all within like two or three points. So any of like six teams could have won. Now, of course... I had a bad Sunday, and I finished sixth. I could have won if, if Sunday didn't count. Uh, but congrats to Derek Carty, a uh, former colleague of ours who had a you know great season, and he made a nice comeback, and he won. Um, I, I you know In terms of fab budgets, um, yeah, I usually save mine in both those leagues, and that worked out this season. But I don't know if any – I don't think next season in fantasy is going to be like the 2020 season. I think it's going to be more like 2019, but with fewer home runs and more strikeouts. So that's another thing that I should have asked you. Um, there were fewer home runs per game in this shortened season. We don't know what the baseball was like. Nobody was talking about it. But when we project for 2021, I'm going to assume we're not going to project the crazy home run totals that we did in 20 that we saw in 2019. But with a universal designated hitter, and you can argue all you want, they're going to have a DH next year. They're never letting pitchers bat again. Um, we're quite certain it's going to get carried over get of the new rules. Yes. I think that is the most likely of the new rules to be carried. So when we project ahead now, you know, like, didn't the American League have a lower ERA in the National League this season? Last I checked. That is correct. You are correct. As a matter of fact, I want to take this opportunity to tout the, frankly, amazing work that our colleague Todd Zola is doing with regard to this. He has already been starting to look into some of these implications for next year, including looking at projections using and not using the DH. It's going to be interesting how this shortened season influences our projections for next year. And, and as I said, you know, follow him. He, he's going to have some, some good content for us. I don't, know, I don't know how he's going to do projections because I, I can't wait to see what he's doing because I have no idea what he's doing. But I, when I'm projecting individual players, I'm basically picking and choosing what information from 2020 I want to use, which you really can't do in projections. But that's how I'm doing it. I basically decided that I think Yelich bounces back, but Chris Bryant does not. You know, like, I, I don't know why I even do, I'm doing some of this stuff, but like, that's, go ahead. I'm going to give you a nugget here for this one that, that he, he had pointed out, is that 
there is a difference in between the divisions in terms of the way the baseball appeared to play. I don't know whether that means a different baseball was used, but the fact that the statistics were so markedly different between, for example, the East and the Central, there is some analysis that should be done. And that's embarrassing if baseball did that. If they used a different baseball. I'm not saying that they necessarily did. I'm just saying that the divisions, the fact that they separated them, had a statistical impact. And we're right, going to have to but do. But next year, like, the Reds have to face the NL East and the NL West, too. They can't just play, you know, the right. East and the Central. So it's going to affect their numbers. But but I think that that is going to cast some sort of, ju- some sort of judgment on the 2020 statistics as far as what we take away for 2021. And that's that's the kind of stuff I find interesting he's looking into. Fair enough. All right. What else? Dave wants to know who improved their dynasty stock most during this irregular season. <laughs> um, who improved their stock the most? I mean, obviously, we could look at the player rater, but I don't know if Marcelo is going to really improve his all that much because we have a decade of knowing what he is. I mean, frankly, mm-hmm. I mean, Trevor Rosenthal, it's going to be hard for somebody to improve their stock. He was out of baseball. So, I mean, Daniel Bard, is it closers that we look at and say they improve their stock the most? Because, like, when I look at, like, Kyle Tucker, no, I thought he was going to be pretty darn good, you know? Corbin Burns, I guess, to some degree. But I, I always – we knew he was going to be good. He just wasn't good last season. I think Garrett Crochet. What is he next year? Uh, amazing. The the Chris L. Comps are He's a starting apt. pitcher, and right? I, I think he should be. What makes me curious is what if the ceiling for next year is that he is in the range of early Chris Sale as a starting pitcher, and the low end is he's a dominating relief pitcher, which is really not a bad basement to be at. He has some nasty stuff. He has some stuff, it, and nobody was thinking about him. That's that's the kind of guy where he's going to be a very high pick in the in the dynasty. It would draft. be a shame if the White Sox. I don't want to say relegated, but I will. If they relegated him to a relief role in 2021, when they could get 150 potentially great innings of him as a starting pitcher, and we say great, he was what did he pitch five innings the last two weeks? I mean, I don't want to assume he's that that awesome next year. I mean, he should be correct. He's got nasty stuff, mm-hmm. but if he if we if we are told in February that he's going to be a starting pitcher, don't we have to think about him as like a top 50 starter the way we do like Nate Pearson and Kopech and other guys who are, you know, Mackenzie Gore. And look, this discussion is bordering on absurd. We are jumping way ahead of ourselves, but this is a dude who just walked straight out of the draft in a pandemic year and has put up lights out stuff to the point that I actually think Crochet Crochet could be the difference maker for a White Sox team that otherwise looked bad in my estimation the past two weeks. What if they do advance, they go deep in the postseason, and he's a major force a la K-Rod, Francisco Rodriguez, back in 2002? That's going to have some huge waves in fantasy, and it certainly should from the the dynasty-dynasty perspective because, again, he's going to be in the draft for a lot of these people. Uh, Throw two more names for you, Joey Barton, Jazz Chisholm. I don't think anybody really believed either one would reach the majors this year. They advanced their careers significantly. Yeah, but Bart didn't hit or walk. How much do you read into that? When you're when you're thinking about a league, a dynasty format, and you see a guy play a little bit in the majors and play not mm-hmm. well, I mean Bart had three walks and 41 strikeouts in 111 plate appearances. That's bad. 
Oh, right. I remember right, there was right. a there was a shortstop, it might have been a Rocky, who came up late in the season. Yeah. It was Tulowitzki, who batted two forty yeah. and slugged two ninety two in two thousand six. Man, I'm old. And we thought, oh, he's not that good. And then next year he had twenty four homers and batted two ninety one and he was a top five shortstop. I don't want to make yep. that mistake on Chisholm and Bart because they played and Mackenzie Gore did not play. It's unfair to judge these players off of such small sample sizes and then give a break to Wander Franco and Mackenzie Gore because they never debuted. You know what I mean? Joey Bart is 23. He had 22 games of double-A experience, nothing higher than that. Uh, and he was thrown into the major leagues unexpectedly due to injury in the middle of a pandemic. I'm going to forgive him any of the missteps so far this year because the, the pedigree is great. I, and look, catchers take a while to arrive. Yadier Molina took, what, seven years before he became the superstar that he is nowadays? And I just I, I, you're, I think he deserves a I break. I agree. And by the way, your answer to this dynasty question was different than mine because you were talking about players being debuted into a dynasty league. So it was ridiculous for me to say Marcelo Zuna in that vein. Mm-hmm. You're talking about somebody who's already not in the league. That's why crochet is so interesting, which is fine. It's I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to bring us a little different context. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's I mean, fair. I'm going to throw you another one who falls a little bit in between here because he did play and he was great. There's a lot of buzz about what Kid Brian Hayes did for the Pirates this month. I, I will admit that I am extremely surprised by his production this month. I did not expect that he was going to be this good with the bat, especially power. I expected the defense would be. Right. I mean, if you're talking about rookie third baseman, Alec Bowman would still be ranked ahead of Brian Hayes in fantasy, but not that much. I mean, these, these Pennsylvania third basemen and only one of them Mm -hmm. staying at third base in future seasons, by the way, Um, (laughs) he says with pride, Um, he's at five DHs. Um, I, I, I think Cabrian Hayes, I mean, or and Boehm, I don't think we can rank either of them as top 10 third basemen next year, but I don't think they're either going to be that far off. I mean, how many third basemen have to be ranked in the top 100? Ramirez, Machado, LeMayo. Does LeMayo still take his third base eligibility? No, I don't no. think he does. Nope. I don't know that he played there at all. Devers this year. and, well, Vlad lost his, so Devers is another one. They might both, Eugenio Suarez will be a top 10 third baseman. I think Bowman mm-hmm. Cabrian might actually be top 10 third baseman entering next season. And there are people who are going to jump on that bandwagon of Cabrian. I'm not sure it's wrong, though. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, is that wrong to rank them so well? I mean, who did you have ranked in your top 10 of third baseman at the end of this season? And would they be definites over that? You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I, see, Chapman, I see your Chris point Bryant, here. Chris Bryant looks if, done to me to some degree. Re- remember that on October 1st, you have to – you should really be leading on your gut. You need to make your calls on players and decide how far you're going to push them towards their ceiling. Hey, ceiling puts them in that top 10. If you're if you're a believer, you should be drafting him that way. And I watch people do this in those early NFBC drafts. You and I both do in the first pitch conferences. Watch people take these prospects early. If you believe, you should be doing right. that. And I left out. My hesitation yeah. is that he's a Pittsburgh hitter in a ballpark that's not friendly to power. And he was advertised as more glove than bat. So how much adjustment do the pitchers make to him next year? Let me expand next year's top 10 third base. Ramirez, Arenado, Machado, Devers, Bregman, Rendon. That's six guys that are in my top 25. Um, mm-hmm. Chapman and Bryant and Suarez. I think right now all three would be ranked ahead of Bohm and Cabrian Hayes. And then those yeah. guys would be next. Like Moncada, 
Donaldson, Muncie, Nesano lost it. So they're not top 10 third baseman, but they're close. They're top 15. The Makata was terrible this year. Now, maybe that was the virus. Yeah. I see the path you're looking at here, and I I don't think I'd object right. to it. What's uh... um I want I want to throw you one more name. I want I want your perspective on one other. I was impressed by, and that's Trevor Rogers. I, I just don't know if there's a path to him being fantasy relevant in a standard league. What is that? What is that path to you? Like not relevance in a standard league. I'm with you, but when we're talking dynasty, I'm going deep as I, mean, I this can. This is the Miami lefty. I did not expect him to. What arrive. do you think this? So this is the Miami left you debuted, and he, and he did not pitch well. He had a lot of strikeouts, and he has that home ballpark. Do you think that he's on par? I don't think he's on par with, like, any of these Spencer Howard, Nate Pearson, Kopech types, but we do think this is a strikeout lefty who could be Max Fried in two years. Is that what you're saying? Could be, yes. There's some adjustments to be made. The reason I throw him here is I – also didn't expect a pitcher like him to be pushed into such a relevant role to the to the level that the Marlins are considering him as a four or five if they go deeper in the playoffs. All right. Anything else? Well, one last question from Ed. He wants to know, other than the obvious Mondesi, who do you think will be the toughest player to rank inside the top 100 for redraft next year? Uh, well, I mean, Trout, Yelich, Bellinger – for obvious reasons. Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr. I mean, either you believe – a lot of people don't believe anymore. They just don't. And now he he played great in the final two weeks. So he really helped his cause a little bit. But if you tell me that Vlad is, is somebody's number 40 and somebody's number 120, I, I can't argue with either one next year. i probably have him 70, 75. I'm going to throw Joey Gallo here. And maybe he doesn't belong in the top 100, and that takes him out of this. Well, it, it's more that the ceiling is definitively top 100. It's probably even borderline top 50. But how optimistic are you? I, if you, This is the thing. The toughest player to rank has a low end that's out of the top 100. Right, but he could hit 50 home runs. Anybody that's capable of 50 home runs, even if they bat 210, is a potential top 50 player. So, mm-hmm. and really... Gallo is one of those guys who I will say, just forget his 2020. Just forget it happened. I don't even care what he did because I know what, he, what he's done in past seasons. I don't, I don't like it that much in a, in a standard mm-hmm. roto, you know, because batting average matters. But, yeah, Gallo's going to – I man, I don't know if Gallo makes my top 100 or not. But that's – like I would take Vlad over then, Gallo. Then a similar guy at the same position that you mentioned before, We and we talked about it enough, but Pete Alonso deserves another mention here. Yeah, I mean, that's a guy who could 50 home runs again. He won't be in my third round, mm-hmm. that's for sure. But fourth or fifth. Where you rank him is going to be very important. I feel like late 40s. Probably, yeah. You're more likely to get Alonzo or Mondesi next year. Neither. Alonzo. I'm not getting either. Yeah. <laughs> I like Eric's answer. I take mine back. Well, I, I, I just I don't think Pete Alonzo is a guy who, who we can trust to hit 250. And I, I know we can't trust Montessi to do that. And I want to protect batting average, if batting average is a category. Um, they're going to be – they're both going to be on my do not draft list. I don't want to give that away, sex, you know, eight months in advance or whenever I have to write it. But I guess it's not <laughs> – probably five months. But I would guess pretty heavily here that Montessi 
and Alonzo are probably on that do not draft list. Gallo's probably on it. Um, Kenley Jansen's probably on it. <laughs> I know. You always have Kenley Jansen. Well, on I it. usually have the first closer on it, but um, yeah. you know, so I guess Hendricks and Hader have to be on there. Will you rank Hader over Hendricks again, or Hader over everybody else again? I don't know. I think I might have Hendricks over Hader now. I might too. That's that's going to be a close one. I'll I'll be taking a closer look at that. All right. So that's it for the hash browns. Um, what are we going to do next? We're going to answer the trivia next, and then we have our World Series picks. We should do those. Yep, let's do the trivia. Let's do that now. So, um, well, your, Tristan, yours and mine were posted uh, at ESPN on Monday. And I took Cleveland and you took Minnesota, and people can read that. And then Kyle, boring, took the Dodgers. Did you Cleveland to win? I Yes, wow. Tristan, I went against your Yankees in round one because I, 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 I don't think that's wrong, though. I don't either. I obviously don't either. <laughs> we, the three of us are very bullish on the Indians, though. We should be. Not only do they have arguably the best pitcher, but I think they have one of the, I think they might have the best bullpen. You could say Tampa. But Brad Hand and Karinchak are amazing, uh-huh. and I think Cleveland's got. They have Carrasco. They can put. They can use Savali in the bullpen. Um, Playsack was great if they go to Game Three. Who the Yankees have Tanaka in Game Two, and then Cleveland against Tampa. I think Tampa Bay's beatable. I mean, yes, they have yeah. a lot of pitchers, and Philly didn't score any runs this past weekend against them. But like Jose Ramirez and Lindor can carry a team. I look at Tampa Bay's uh-huh. offense, and I'm like. There's nobody there I want in fantasy. When I did, so I did rankings for postseason pools. And by the way, that took five times longer than it did in every past season because there's five <laughs> times as many playoff teams. Yeah, I was like, I'm oh sure yeah, again. sure I'll do it again. It's easy. And then I had to rank 500 players. It's like, and we know I may not even be doing a playoff pool, but um, Tampa, Oakland. My God, mm-hmm. how did these teams win that many games with no offenses? Anyway. That's just yeah. a little random. And that's the other one, too. The team I picked to win the World Series, if you look at their offensive numbers, the hitting was nowhere near what, what it was perceived to be. They were home run oriented, the Twins, but didn't produce a lot of runs and certainly didn't a lot of batting average. And we should note there is a game at ESPN if you want to continue to play some fantasy. It's called ESPN Playoff Classic. Uh, prop bets yep. throughout the playoffs, multiple choice. Like, for example, one for the wild card round. Which of these players will record the most extra base hits during their wild card series? Jose Abreu, Matt Olson, Nelson Cruz, or Luke Voigt? We have a group. Um, if you play ESPN Playoff Classic, it's 06010 Baseball uh, with a space between the numbers and the letters. Uh, I have joined, and I think Kyle has joined because he probably set it up. And uh, I've already done my first round, and I'm hoping to win. So I feel like I'll finish second. And um, anyway, if you and Tristan has been calculating all of his picks very carefully, and we'll be throwing it in there two minutes before the deadline. And Tristan <laughs> will win because of that. Because it's what he does. Oh, I'm not good at these. I'm not these. The, a lot of prop bet ones. I'm not good at those. Yeah, but 2020 is backwards, so that means you're really good at it. Oh, I like your thinking. Anyway, play ESPN Playoff Classic if you dare. Um, let's answer some trivia now, because I'm not sure what else we still have to do on the show. <laughs> so, what was the trivia question, Kyle? We'll reset it here. There's one player that hits all these thresholds since the All-Star break of 2019 that will not be considered in the fantasy first round for 2021. Since the 2019 All-Star break, 10 steals, 50 extra base hits, 275 batting average. A player that hit all those that will not be considered in the first round. Next season. 
Tristan, you want to go first? The first guy that came to mind was Jonathan VR. That is incorrect. This would be, I, I never thought about this. If you guys got it on the first guess, how anticlimactic that would be. But no. My, I wrote down two players, and their names rhyme, but they don't. Um, <laughs> so I, I wrote down v, VR and Kevin Pillar. Oh, man. Okay, you got it. Wow, it was Kevin Pillar? Kevin Pillar. he ran. He ran it. He did. And and it's funny, when you said their names rhymed, I'm like, oh, as long as it's not with Tristan's guest, then I'm golden. Like, maybe it's Brown and Town or something. On the note, you wrote that that the player played with multiple teams. So I was just thinking. Yeah, exactly. That's why. The other guy I was thinking of was Cameron Maben, but I think I'm thinking of the 18 to 19. I don't think Maven played oh, enough, no. but yes, I was right. thinking of base stealers, and and the reason why I knew that Pilar, I I was going to use a lot of my fab budget and NLA labor on Kevin Pilar, and then I wasted it on Clevenger, and I lost anyway. Um, if I now nah, it wouldn't have mattered because I mean every pitcher got lit the last weekend, but yeah, there it is. Kevin Kevin Pilar is going to be elsewhere next it. year. He's not going to be on the Rockies or Red Sox. I don't know where he's going to be, but you know, batting average is a problem, but. He hit 275 in that period, huh? He got like 330 this season, didn't he? He's he's well, got a lot of hot and cold. I feel like Kyle, you were disappointed that we got this right. No, I'm glad you you end on a high note. Like they banned me from asking trivia questions of football because they weren't getting them often enough. So you guys have uh, you guys have held your own for sure. Kyle, I'm sorry, I've been there. <laughs> Well, I just—I don't want to say anything about them, but we're pretty smart when it comes to baseball, right? No, but Kyle and I are really kind of tough with the football questions, and then we get those like angry stares. Well, any trivia is tough. Put you on the spot to have to think about the past and to grab it. It's it's hard to do even in an obvious question. Well, um, I can't tell you when the next time we are doing a show is, but we will let you know on Twitter. Kyle will, and Tristan and I will retweet it. If it's if it's in October, we don't know. If it's winter meetings, if it's February, we are going to try to stick together here. The three musketeers here, and we want to thank you, everyone who has uh, listened to and downloaded. I don't care which, but the people that are fans of the fantasy focused baseball, you tweeted us and gave us credit over the weekend for helping you win fantasy titles. And winning a title is not easy, but you're the guys who really did and gals who did the hard work. We just talk and and we appreciate everybody who. It's gratifying. You know, it's humbling. Right, yeah. Tristan? I mean, we love fantasy baseball. It doesn't always love us back, but it's great to know that people actually followed and listened to some of our advice. We entertain, we inform, and uh, we hope to continue doing this again in 2021. Mm-hmm. Tristan, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, with, without question. We have to celebrate the fans and the listeners of the show, especially in a pandemic year. They carried us through the show the entire season. You think we did it? They did it. They listened and they tuned in when we had – no games to talk about. And to the additional thing there, since we're throwing thanks to the friends, let's thank Jun Lee, too. He came in and he was talking movies with us during the entirety of the summer. We had things to fill space with and to enjoy our baseball, even when there wasn't baseball. I consider that remarkable. And I, I say kudos to the fans and to June and to Kyle. Kyle, you carried us through here, too. That's another thing. You deserve a huge yes, thank, thank you for you, all you've done for the show. I'm riding your guys' coattails. I'm just along for the ride. I love what you guys do. It's it's been a fun season. It was such a weird season, start to finish, but 
the content was the two of you talking baseball twice a week, and I, I loved it. It was comfortable. Kyle, you learned how to be a producer for us. I think you deserve a lot of Look at him. He's the John of the VR of the show, except that he didn't stink the final two weeks of the year. He, he bats over 275 <laughs> for sure. Um, Kyle, thank you for being the John of the VR I wanted to have in Labor AL. <laughs> I, I got you. By the way, I got to say thank you to Eric because I do it every year because he deserves it for, for driving this here because I don't know how you keep that stuff organized in your brain. Eric remembers absolutely everything and he gets all the trivia questions right. There's a reason. It's all right up here and organized in a way I, I admire. Well, I, I had to grow my hair out because I have lots of secrets in my hair, in my head. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep it protected. Uh-oh. But no, and thank you to Tristan. I mean, you do a great job here. I mean, I don't prep, but I know you do, and uh, it's it's a, you do a great job on this show. And thank you for your friendship, both all of us. I mean, this was a lot of fun this season, and uh, I don't know when we're going to do it again. But please listen to our friends on the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast because they're going through the next couple months, and uh, they do it a lot more often than we do on this show. And um, there's a lot of support there, and a lot of listeners, and they do video, and they 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 film it live, and all this stuff. It's it's crazy how much work they put in the meetings and the live stuff and all that. And basically the three of us were just signing on with two minutes to go before the deadline and hoping that squad cast would work. And, you know, generally it was me who didn't have a good connection because I have a terrible connection in my house to the point where now I'm in the hallway. But um, yes, thank you anyway <laughs> for everybody's patience. Hey, I caused trouble with my little hotel things and stuff like that, and my grilled chicken sandwiches I'm eating while taping. It was quite a season. We made it through. Quite a season. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to Kyle and Tristan. I am Eric. Have an awesome playoffs, and we'll be back with you as soon as we can.